Okay, so thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in for another episode. Today, it's a little bit different. And over the next few weeks, you're going to be seeing some little bit of a, of a different version of this podcast. It's going to be really about having conversations with people who are inspirational, who have businesses or are different, doing different things. Um, and the idea behind this is I just want to ha start having conversations with people um, about things that I just don't think that are being spoken about enough that will bring value to you. So although the fitness content will still be here, we're going to make a little bit of a pivot. So today I have Gus. I've known Gus, Gus Napper for God. Oh, man. Oh, 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 you Phil named me. You actually yeah. Phil named me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, well, that, that that's the that's the celebrity state has gone already, dude. Yeah. Well, look, um, we've got Gus here, RGL Filmhouse, if you if you haven't heard of that, um, you definitely will have. If you if you are in the fitness industry, I mean, I'm going to list out a few of the the like accomplishments on his CV because he is a humble dude and I know that he will not. Um, so if 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 you haven't heard of RGL, he's worked with the brands of like Optimum Nutrition SciTech, uh, PE Science, Rideaware, Vanquish, Gymshark. Um, I mean, those are just the big brands. And then people, influencers, the, the names of, you know, Flex Lewis, Steve Cook, Jordan Peters, Ryan Terry, Lex Griffin, Mark Coles, Eddie Hall. His CV. Don't, is... don't, don't forget, don't forget Paige Hathaway and Joey Swole. You should have led with those, bro. There should've we go. There we... Exactly. Led with and that's. <laughs> and and this is what I mean, you know, your your kind of CV is a smorgasbord of who's who in the fitness industry. Um, so I wanted to get you on because we've known each other from day dot. You know, we were speaking about this off off camera, off microphone before this. And um, it's been a real interesting thing. You know, you picked up a camera in what, 2014? Think, I think the first time I decided that the world might want to hear what I've got to say probably was, yeah, probably was 2014, 2015, bouncing around doing the kind of vlogging of training and nutrition. Um, and yeah, realized very quickly that nobody gave a fuck what a Scottish guy who wasn't in shape had to say about fitness. <laughs> <laughs> so pivot, pivot, film other people. Yeah. And I think um, it was a really interesting um, story how we met as well because or how we came to know each other um I was competing back then as everyone did back in the day um and you know we got talking you, you just started filming other people and we were looking to go and and film I'm not even sure why that didn't happen because I remember we were you know really bouncing off each other and we've connected and obviously ever since then stayed in touch and, and been on each other's radars um so talk to me a little bit about kind of what you did, you know, what was the 2014 version of you? How did that develop? And then, you know, kind of bring it on to where we are now today. Cool, cool. Um, well, firstly, thank you for the introduction, dude. It has, it has been a joy to be, uh, to be bouncing off each other for, it's, it, we, we are day dot people um, and we have no idea why we're fucking day dot. Yeah. We just know we just know that we were day dot. This is back in the days when Instagram was like Valencia filter X Pro, and that was it. That's all you could post. Video was only 15 seconds and it had big 
big yeah. black lines along the top of it. So yeah, it's interesting times, mate. Um, well, to answer to answer your question in a, a bit of a, a tangible timeline fashion, um, back in the day, I was probably the same as anybody that had, had just found the gym, like thinking that in my own head, thinking that I was the main character in my own movie and going to the gym with the hood up and yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm moving weight and all this kind of crap. Um, but like most people, I was consuming a hell of a lot of YouTube content, motivational Click, uh, air quotes, motivational YouTube content. Um, and consuming certain things from YouTubers just gave me the idea. I think it was, I'm sure it was 2014, might have been 2015. I was probably 26 or 27 at the time. And I thought, do you know what? I could do that. Like I could be the real person that's showing people what it's like to train with having your own businesses and um, but I ended up vlogging about quite serious things like depression and eating disorders. So really quickly, it's like, nah, I'd, I'd rather watch the 19-year-old from America with an eight-pack instead of the Scottish guy from Glasgow talking about depression. Um, so I, I just decided to start filming other people. Um, I didn't realize that it was borderline useless what I was doing at the time. But I do now, looking back, you know, that one of my favorite things from Jim Rohn is he says education beats motivation because if you take an idiot and motivate them, now you've got a motivated idiot. <laughs> but if you take an idiot, if you take an idiot and educate him, he's no longer an idiot. Yeah, so um, pivoting to, to kind of shooting other people, it was a bit of a, a bit of a dream of mine, like living my whole life mm -hmm. in defense mode or a relative kind of isolation um, a lot of anxiety fueled living, I was never really allowed to have my own childhood or my own shit. It's like looking at it from the outside because you're not having the chance to enjoy things. So shooting other people became like this physical manifestation of how I emotionally already viewed the world, like through a lens, everybody's part of their own movie and all this kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, 2015, I probably only lasted about six months of doing it as a quote unquote side hustle. Um, mm -hmm. filming people from the local gym, starting to get on Instagram a little bit. As I say, this is back when stuff was 15 second videos yeah. and you had to put it, you had to put it through an app um, to actually, to actually get it in a, in a square format for, for Instagram. So then it left you with the big massive black boxes, top and bottom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, last, lasted six months of just kind of doing some stuff and very, very quickly got on the radar of, of educators, people like Mark Coles and Phil Learney and all these kind of guys, mm -hmm. um, and took it full time after six months, um, managed to land Gymshark in my first year of business. They slid into my DMs and they're like, hey man, do you fancy doing some shoots? And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what do I do, what stay, do I do? Stay calm, stay calm. Yeah. And, and that was it. I, I always, uh, with, with the people that I coach now, um, sorry, just to, just to kind of finish off that timeline is um, videography for probably six years. Um, yeah, in the range of six years, obviously we've had lockdowns in the middle of that, but coming out of lockdown made a complete evolution of the business to education and coaching. So yeah. I don't even shoot anymore unless there's a big invoice attached to it, or they're going to send me abroad. And I'm not ashamed to say that. that that's that's quite a, a good position to be in. Um, so now with coaching, with one-to-one -one coaching for business coaching for photographers and videographers, workshops, all these things, I always find um, 
I always find myself reminding the guys of how weird things were for me at the start, but it was also kind of luck and stars aligning because I was one of only like three or four people in the UK that were doing it at the time. So yeah. who else are Gymshark going to come to? And I'm not trying to discredit myself, but when you are good, but you're only one of three or four people in the country, th there's very limited options. Yeah. And video was only just starting to get proven as the king of content then. Um, to, yeah. The, the, yeah, the exact point is Instagram was 15 seconds. Now it's almost unlimited. Mm -hmm. um, so if you ever want to know what the evolutions creators have to go through, just look at the evolutions social media platforms have gone through. Yeah. So timeline, yeah, that, that brings us to where we are now. Um, I've finished my first probably 13, 14 months of business coaching for creators. Mm -hmm. Absolutely blown away with how well it's done. Trying my best to change an industry, trying my best to give support. It's, it, it's, like, the, it's like the old um, the old saying, be who you were, be who you needed when you were younger. Mm -hmm. And that, like, every time I hear that, it almost makes me cry because I needed a lot when I was younger and never, ever got it. So there's there's kind of an element of like wounded healer about me where I'm like, no, my, my mission is to make sure that every one of these kids doesn't get ripped to shreds by their clients mm -hmm. to make sure that we not revolutionize, but evolve the, the standards of what content is being delivered, uh, evolve the, the business perception and how creators conduct themselves to gain respect from their clients. And show you guys as well, show trainers, educators that need to hire content creators that, yo, you better stop worrying about the word free because it ain't going to happen ever again the more creators that I get my hands on. And yeah. that, that's it. That's the, it's the education that the industry's never had until now. Um, but I think a, a key with me is I don't shoot for the stars when it's like, oh, become a filmmaker in 14 days or yeah. give me £5,000 for my mastermind. I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm cool bouncing at the, the middle ground with all my one-to-one -one guys, my online library, my workshops, because that's where the graft is done. That's where the work is done, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. if, you look at, if you look at your business and you could imagine your first three years were her in 10 years, you could say your first three years were horrific your middle five years were amazing, but you still had your sleeves rolled up. Mm -hmm. And then now your last maybe two or three years have been so, uh, so evolving, but there's an element of you, you probably had your feet up because you've got seven years of experience behind you. And you're like, yeah, I can just make one decision easily. Now I don't have the anxiety or the issues that I used to have. Um, so yeah, for me, it's about getting that middle ground, that 80% of creator that is used every day, shoots every day, small business owner, works with small business owner, um, and making sure those guys are creating a whole new standard of not just creativity, but professionalism, entrepreneurship, communication, you name it. So that brings us to today, my dude. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been phenomenal. And I think, you know, it, like you said, back then it was so... Like the industry was just so different. It was so fresh. Social media was so different. And it's, we because like we, it's, it's because we were all naive. Yeah. Like, I, I always remind people that we are part of our own evolutions. And if you think uh, uh, an idea we probably all had, like when I was young, I was a bit of a skater. Or, mm. And then I was a boy racer as well. And when you change your arena and you're no longer exposed to those things, you think they've died out. 
but they mm-hmm. probably haven't. They've probably excelled beyond your belief. It's just that you, they're not on your radar anymore. Mm-hmm. So we, having egos as humans, we're like, oh, yeah, skating's not even a thing anymore. No one does it. And you're like, no, it's just that you don't do it. And so yeah. everyone else still does it. You don't. So when it comes to talking about like back in the day with, with the industry, is that mm-hmm. back then we had maybe half a, excuse me, half a dozen like OG gods that we would look up to on Instagram. And, yeah. and now I've worked with all of them and they've all been my clients. Now we are kind of in the, not OG status, but we are in the place that they were mm-hmm. to us seven years ago, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And now all the new people that are starting are looking at us the way that we would look at the previous kind of OGs or the previous founders. So yeah. I, it's, it's interesting when we see these things, it's like, oh, it's all kind of different now, isn't it? It's like, no. We're just seven years further ahead. It's the exact same as it was. You know, people have still got the same fame and ideology around people that we had, except now kind of we are those people that have got that, the newest guys have got the ideology around. And I think you're right, really. I think it is naivete because, you know, the the further you go into any industry. I love love it when someone says naivete in a French way, dude. That was so nice. Naivete. (laughs) Naivete. (laughs) And um, it is, you know, because the further you get into any industry, you suddenly realise no matter how big it is, it's so small. Oh, yeah. The the same people know (laughs) each other. Everybody, Everybody knows everybody. It's run by a few select individuals that know and control everything. And yeah, like I guess I guess you're right because it just means that now we've kind of rubbed shoulders with those people and we know those people and you know some of those are our friends and business acquaintance and um, yeah it is it's bizarre when I look back at things now and you know Easy, isn't it? Crazy. going back to 2014 me and you and just you know talk about you know competing for me was so big back then like my only focus was right i'm going to compete i'm going to get that pro card status like you know the stereotypical journey and um yeah i'm going to get some like i'm going to do some photo shoots videos i'm going to like put content out there and i'm just going to do this this and this and kind of follow that you know as yourself i was the uh, main character in my own story and and to a certain yeah. degree i am now but it's just changed and the the focus has changed um Yes. So there's 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 something there's something that will for to, to give a little bit of context in me as i understand i maybe talk different than a few human beings because i worry when i talk people like what is this guy on but um um the the kind of emotional development and spiritual communities are, are massive in my life outside of outside mm-hmm. of um rgo filmhouse and coaching and stuff um so i've got men's groups um like support meetings all these different kind of things and my close circle as well is filled with kind of spiritual professionals and coaches, that kind of thing. So th- this this is this is part of who I am. This is the way I talk. So if people are ever listening, going, bro, I was really wanting to learn about the new pyramid scheme, and you're here talking about spiritual development. <laughs> there's a reason. There's a reason. Yeah. And, but what a really interesting thing, and I give this to a lot of not give this. Sorry, I um, I offer this to a lot of my one to one guys. Mm-hmm. Um, is to remind them of their overall kind of place in the world and how beautiful it is because it's following a necessary evolution. 
mm-hmm. and there was there was something what was it the there was a a line from that netflix special with ricky gervais afterlife mm-hmm. and the, the the woman said something like um you know selflessness is old men planting trees f- which they know they will never sit in the shade of mm-hmm. so there's an element of us knowing that we've done the trench work we've rolled up our sleeves we've been doing it for you know the best part of a decade double that between us mm-hmm. and now with the kind of education and the support factor it's it's important to check our egos and remember that we are at the stage where we're supposed to be supporting not taking as much on the way up you know you're quite hungry you're clawing at everything there's a lot of naivety in there a lot of ego and you're like, i'm going to smash this i'm going to smash this i'm going to smash this and then when you start realizing that i'm ticking off all these goals you start to earn a little bit more peace and a little bit more self-love and self-respect and then you realize how valuable your evolution is so then you turn to support you turn to education and yeah. you know that you're doing it from yes a a a a pivotal business standpoint. Um, but I love the idea of looking back on something that you helped build and now going, I'm going to give myself to continue this, the construction of that for everybody else that's that's coming in after me. And no matter what I do with my life, could be gone tomorrow, could change business tomorrow. I'm not 100% married to anything. Um, but yeah, there's something really, really, really beautiful about that. And actually changing entrepreneurship into entrepreneur entrepreneurial support and education um so yeah it's just, it's just an interesting one mate because you're, you're you're talking complete sense and exactly what i was like back in the day i'm going to smash this i'm going to smash that yeah. I'm, going to get, I'm going to do this competition and now you look back and you're like couldn't give a flying fuck about any of that but it's because it's because you've evolved, you've learned the self-love, you've learned to roll the sleeves up. And now we look back and we're like, I can't change people's nature. So how about I give the best of me to the hundred kids that are coming after me with the same naivety that I used to have, <laughs> that I used to have, because there is going to be a hundred of them. Oh yeah, no doubt. And, and I think that's another reason why we've stayed on each other's radars for so long, because for me, self-development is massive. I love like the I read so much now. Um, I say read; it's not really reading; it's cheating, really. Um, I listen to so many audible books. Don't don't you dare say that is cheating yeah. right now. You've been around too many people that have allowed you to second guess your own consumption and whether it's valid or not. Yeah. I my I've got like master status on Audible because oh, yeah. I can I cannot pay attention to more than a page. But I will finish off 29 hours of the history yeah. of Alexander the Great uh-huh. quicker than you will read half of your bullshit, the secret book. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. And I will and I will actually absorb it and I will continue yeah. to go over it again. And I'm actually consuming something that has a vibrational frequency relative to what my body is. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, dude, don't ever, don't you ever, ever again, Dan, lead with some <laughs> self-deprecating put down like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm serious though. Like, I I listen to them hours in, hours and hours a day. Like, I I'm sure I've got some sort of undiagnosed ADD or ADHD because <laughs> it, even in order to concentrate, like, to focus and really hone in on something, <clears throat> I have to keep my brain busy with something that I find interesting. So, um, 
for example, if I'm working and it's not a podcast or it's not a recording or something like that, I'll have it on in the background and I can manage to, like you say, take it in and also really focus and hone in on my work and then still be able to go back and, you know, pick through and actually retain the information. When it comes to reading, the reason why I went to Audible is the same as you. Like I have zero zero attention span when it comes to opening a book i've tried you've got you've got zero attention span but you can do three things at once yeah honestly it's it's bizarre i've got zero attention span when it comes to just i I think i mean i'm sure i'm sure i've got some ritalin lying around here somewhere that'll fucking send you if you need it you should should listen to classical mate yeah i do i do all right okay i'll say i'll send you my chords and keys playlist there's about 600 there's about 600 tracks in there and it's all sound frequency, sound healing, ambient, classical, modern classical. Yeah, oh, mate, that's interesting. Really interesting, actually. And I also I listen I to that movie, movie soundtracks as well in the background while I'm working, just so that I can get full on. Oh, you really, you really are the hero in your own story, aren't you, dude? This is what I used to do seven years ago. I'd be walking to the gym with the Gladiator soundtrack and oh. in my headphones. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna PB twenty seven point five on shoulder press. Watch this; the whole gym is gonna be looking at me. Yeah, <laughs> all you hear in my headphones is this is Sparta. Oh man, yeah, I used to do that so bad. You know, have like motivational speeches on in the background before I went to the gym. You know, yeah, back yeah. in when I was like really, really uh, tunnel visioned on the whole competing. You know, getting getting the gym having zero energy because obviously not eating any food um you know training beyond stupidly and then just like all right cool it's so like it was so unhealthy the mindset really like it was so all-encompassing and and you know Dude, I, I almost i almost trained myself into uh, diabetes like almost trained myself into uh, yeah i mean i'm still dealing with it now like at 35 I'm dealing with everything that I failed to look after and pummeled myself through all of my early twenties and mid mid twenties. And it's, it's, it's hilarious. I look at, I look at bodybuilders that have been doing things like um, taking exogenous growth hormones and just tanking themselves for the past 10, 15 years. Yeah. And I'm like, you're fucking healthier than I am. The worst, the worst I've ever done is like have Greg's baguettes and look as he'd sport. But you realize <laughs> when you do that every day for 10 years, and pummel yourself in the gym on an empty stomach. You don't know anything about nutrition. Your idea of nutrition is plain chicken and broccoli, something stupid like that. Mm-hmm. Then you wind up 10 years later with all these gut, gut issues, brain issues, dietary, uh, yeah. emotional, emotional deprecating behavior, all this kind of stuff. So I, yeah. it's funny, man. It, that's crazy. And that's it's every time I kind of speak to people outside of the industry that are kind of, you know, gen pop clientele that are coming to me for advice or help on on food or training like I always forget ah, this is going to sound horrible but I'm going to say it anyway how much I've developed in terms of nutrition knowledge and training um how, how much you're not part of the 80 percentile anymore but as yeah. our e- our egos check us when that happens and yeah. or sorry our egos carry us and a lot of the time we're like how the hell can you not know that you're probably going to lose weight if you eat more, you fucking idiot. But mm. then we remember that even though our entire world is now full of professionals, we are the outliers from the 80% of the world. And they're still back there existing, thinking that a pill is going to make them skinny. Yeah. 
and and that's kind of where I'm at now with you know my business and um, you know coaching people, taking people through the online coaching process of you know really trying to hone in on you know getting rid of that bullshit, getting rid of the myths, getting rid of the you know let's just take a pill or you know this certain type of exercise is best, you know, and all those kind of myths that I just want to, I just want to dispel and just educate, as you say, because I needed that, you know, unfortunately when I first got into competing, like I had a really old school, like bodybuilding coach and borderline eating disordered behavior, really, you know, no, no seasoning, no sauces, and there's no fucking logic behind it at all. It's just, (laughs) It's, it's old. It's, it's an old generation who have grown up with no connection yeah. to their husbands or wives or their parents told that they just have to slam yes. their head into a brick, brick wall, get a manual labor job and work. And that, that cultural generational mentality feeds mm. into everything they do. Like, look at most of our parents. Most of them are either separated or divorced mm. um, or one of them is an alcoholic or one of them feels like they've been abused and, the, the that whole generation has just been left out by the planet because technology tells them they're not useful anymore. Their kids have all flown the nest, so the purpose that they had on life is no longer valid. The industries they once work in are in decline. Um, so when you get people like that that coach you back in the day, they carry what I like to think, not like to think, but I think I've realized is generational resentment yeah. <laughs> towards, towards yeah. the world. And then yeah. they're like, if, if this is how hard I had it when I was 10 years old down the mine, son, this yeah. is how hard you're going to have it while I train you in pure gym. Yeah. <laughs> like, All right, bro. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Appreciate it. It's true. And, you know, and I think, unfortunately, there's still kind of the remnants of that left in our industry with, you know, even now with how. Um, it's always going to be there, dude, though. We, we can't be naive to think that because yeah. we excel, everything else is. There's a, there's a big, it's not nihilism, but there's a big element of accepting that those who are going to burn are going to burn mm. and that, that the population must exist with idiots because mm. if it doesn't, the whole machine falls. So mm. we need, I've got what's called the 80-10-10 idea in my head, and I've had this for 15 years now, where if you take a population and divide it up into 10%, 80%, 10%, the 10% at the bottom are the ones that should be set on fire, like the worst of the worst, absolute retards. Um, and this this isn't in any specific arena. You can put 80-10-10 to anything you want. Then you've got the 80% in the middle, which are your normal consumers, your everyday sheep. If you tell them to jump, they'll see how high. And then you've got your 80% of overachievers at the top, which need the consumption of everybody else for them to continue overachieving because what they overachieve at is their control and knowledge over the 80% so they can capitalize on it. Um, and this, this isn't a, a nihilistic, this isn't a nihilistic viewpoint. This is, this is me eventually over the years figuring out why I was butting my heads against so many people and so many systems because I started to get into the top 10% in my field. And then and that, and that could be emotional development, professional development, revenue, whatever field I was kind of my ego was choosing <laughs> to choosing to be better than everybody else at, at the time. And then you would look back on the 80% and it was half ego of going, God, I can't believe how clueless those people are and then it was half support of going i'm really going to help this entire industry and i'm going to totally change it but then we, we remember that we can't change it quick enough before the next 
shift of humans, like the next nine to five shift comes in to repopulate that 80, 10, 10, and then it all just resets back to itself. Mm. So there's a lot of what we do is fighting against human nature. And I think for you and coaches and people that are similar in your position, um, you are exposed to that 80% more than anybody is. You're exposed to the, right, here we go. Here's another person. I'm going to have to go right back to what is a carb, what is a protein, stuff like that. So we almost, by picking our clientele, we almost solidify our own anxiety and demise because we're always going to be annoyed. Um, but, you know, with coaching, it's, uh, it's, it's admitting that some people are just going to be some people and then trying to reduce your, uh, your issues, your anxieties by elevating your clientele to more coachable people. So then what you're actually coaching falls on very receptive ears instead of having to go right back to the start with every single client. Hmm. So sorry, that, that's just a little two cents. I'm always, I'm always interested in how we can remind ourselves that some shit is just supposed to be the way that it is. Yeah. Yeah. And like, even, even, in, even in my crypto group this morning, they're all talking about Russia invading Ukraine. And I'm yeah. like, cool. Do you have any idea what America and, and the United Kingdom have done to the rest of the world in the past thousands thousand years and they're like i can't believe russia and i'm like are you, are you looking at what's going on are you actually looking at what's going on if i was russia i'd probably be doing the exact same thing i'd be like yo i'm not happy with this whole nato presence that's around my borders right now i need to find some way of breaking out of that and giving me a secure link for mm -hmm. to do whatever i want to do mm -hmm. so sorry not not to get political i just think there's an element of um yeah getting over our naiveties around the way that things are helps you live a hell of a lot more focused um, and peaceful life where your, your evolution and your focus and your drive for professionalism isn't tainted by being let down by other people because you don't expect anything from other people because they are being exactly who they were born biologically to be on the planet, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, that took me a long time to kind of realize myself. Um, I had like a, um, a couple of years ago, I had like an incident and I went into therapy and my own, like it challenged my limited. You had, a, you had an incident, Dan. You just, you just glazing, glazing over that, bro. Just had it. Yeah. This, is a, this is a safe space, brother. Safe space. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, life, life just got difficult, you know, and, and, and I just didn't. You're such a professional though, mate. I've never heard of emotional trauma being called an incident. Yeah. I mean, it was. I respect that. It was, it was just one of those situations, you know, where it wasn't, it was for me, it wasn't depression or anxiety. I just realized that I was just really not good uh, when it came to relationships. Like I just wasn't. How was there you when you had this realization? Uh, well, two years ago. So 26. Um, not a bad dude. Not a bad time. Not, not a bad time to have it. That's that. I actually give my hats off to you because that would that would feel like a, a a breakdown or an uncertainty or a really big holy shit. Who am I? What am I doing? And to have that at twenty six, you've beaten most men by ten years. Yeah, and it was just it was just bizarre, really, because I think I think there's a lot of I talk about it quite openly to and to a lot of people, really, because I do think that therapy is something that everybody should have because Everyone. I would never have said agree. Yeah. I would never have said that I struggled with anything, um, probably from an ego point of view, but <laughs> completely from completely yeah. from an ego point of yeah. view. But like, I, 
had you have said to me, do you struggle mentally? The answer to me would have been no, because like, you know, the only thing that I could have like referred to would have been like, well, I don't suffer with depression. Um, and I don't really get anxious. Like stress doesn't really like it just, I'm so laid back, but where it did manifest and like, you know, issues from childhood and uh, attachment issues and stuff like that. It was in my romantic relationships. It was with struggling with setting boundaries. It was those sorts of things for me that just, I Set, just setting boundaries, setting boundaries, setting boundaries for them or for you. Like we could go down a whole other rabbit hole oh. here because now you're in my arena. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong, entrepreneurship is my arena, but now you're in my arena, dude. And <laughs> these are this is beautiful to have these conversations. People don't oh. get how intrinsically linked business development and personal development are. Mm. And especially for men in their late 20s, when they're coming through to that evolution of turning 30, it's tougher for a woman to turn 30 than it is for a man and because there's a lot more expectations, there's a lot more new cycles of their life and energies and shit like this that women need to go through um, and, and cultural and social expectations. But for, yeah. a, man to, for a man to finally, there's, there's a lot of humbling and little boy nature in it where if you eventually go, holy shit, who am I? Why am I doing this? Why is this happening to me? Um, yeah. Realizing that setting boundaries, again, if we're not setting boundaries for ourselves, especially as men and expectations of ourselves and how we show up, then it still means we're conducting ourselves in an egoic fashion because mm -hmm. to say, oh, I realized I wasn't setting boundaries. If they're not with yourself, then the only other place they can be is externally, which means you're putting your upsets to external factors instead of internal ones, if you know what I'm saying. But then yeah. I'd imagine you'd also be looking back and going, well, why am I not setting these boundaries? Am I allowing things to happen? Am I being naive? Am I playing the knight in shining armor a little bit too much? And am I saying, oh, everything's fine. This is how it's done. Blah, 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 blah. When, real, rea when reality kicks in, you could just do with a breakdown and a cuddle from your mum. And then you're like, oh, that's that's what I needed. Yeah. That's, thank you. So I needed the maternal instinct to stop me yeah. being such an angry little boy. Yeah. I think I think for me it was it was both you know I, I just but it was only it was bizarre for me because I, I came to the realization and I realized that it was only within romantic relationships um, and then I realized that I basically just had a terrible view of what love was what relation yep. um, how they should look what they should be um, and obviously that's learned behavior isn't it you know what my mum and dad were divorced and I didn't really see much of my dad. Dude, there's, um, your gen there's your generational trauma right there. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's these patterns that are bred into us. We, we do instead of feel. Mm. And it's when you start feeling, then you start to slow down on the doing. Yeah. I mean, my therapist, when I, was, when I first started, um, for so long, and even now I have to fight the urge, I'm so logical and clinical in my thought process I bet your therapist loves you, mate. My, yeah. my, my therapist, <laughs> one of my therapists is like, so Gus, you just completely outlined everything that we're talking about, gave me where it stemmed from, gave me the emotional trauma attachments, told me your trigger points, how it plays out, and then why it's all happening. And I went, yeah. And he went, so why are you still doing it? And I went, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I, I think, again, I think it's ego. Like my, one yeah. of my other coaches has found out that I've got this massive get out of jail free card thing where I'm like, I'm so emotionally developed and, and intelligent when it comes to this, 
that I don't have to fix any of it because to me, awareness is the get out of jail free card. You're being like, oh no, but I know what it means. Right, well, fucking fix it then. Eh, no, I don't have to. I'm, I'm aware of it. I'm, I'm allowing it to happen. Yeah. And you're like, okay, mate, okay. I, I, I'm, I'll point out, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because- the, It is funny, dude. Similarities. <laughs> it's hilarious. Similarities though between us are just insane. Like, it's, uh, it's men, it's, it's men, yeah. it's, it's young men. Like dude, with me being 35, mate, I had my I had my biggest breakdowns and subsequent breakthroughs when I was 29. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as I can tell, based on the amount of men that I have in my life now, is that my breakdown came about 10 years before the normal man's does. Um, yeah. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And one of the other things with men is that, <clears throat> especially when we're in a prof- professional position of quote-unquote power or influence, mm-hmm. we carry these opinions of how we're supposed to be into our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we carry it into our romantic relationships. We turn into these, um, yeah. what w- what we think is stoic, but it's actually more manipulative and all this kind of shit without intentionally being manipulative mm-hmm. and it's because you know like like any like any steed or stallion like it has to be broken before it reaches an, a relative potential mm-hmm. um, and i've always found that I've, I've always said to men i'm like yo your breakdown or breakthrough will most likely comes at, come at the hands of a woman whether she knows it's coming or not and as men it's it's all that maternal instinct it's all the comfort of being forced into a world where we have to fucking perform in every single part of our lives and then we consume content and movies and spend time around very kind of wayward toxic other men and we think oh that he looks like the lead character of a really good movie so i'm just going to assimilate what he does and then i'm going to do it um and I, I, i didn't i really didn't want to use the word toxic there because yeah. toxic fem- toxic femininity is way more dangerous in the world just now than toxic masculinity. Just just to let people just to let people listening know, entire social media is, is ruled by toxic femininity, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's 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 having those those breakdowns and breakthroughs where we have to let go of the expectations of ourselves and allow ourselves to feel, allow ourselves to be, and then we actually find a real beautific masculine nature in that because then you allow the feminine in. and even that is a, a huge thing that, that men don't get in in, in business and in uh, uh, professional is masculinity and femininity isn't man or woman they're just two different types of energies they're two different types of archety- uh, archetypes mm-hmm. so right now i would say the conversation that we're having is a perfect balance of masculinity and femininity because mm-hmm. it's structured it's guided it's got discipline it has purpose but it's feminine because it's holding space. It's being compassionate. It's being aware. Um, so yeah, really interesting. I bet everyone listening now is like, "What the fuck has happened to this podcast?" <laughs> yeah, you, know, you can cut. Feel free to cut this shout, dude. We'll talk about macros in a second if you want. Yeah, like, yeah. No, like I bet, think this is. I, bet, this... I benched. I benched one hundred and five the other day. I was quite happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is. These are the conversations that need to be had. I think you know. It's still people that. Uh, Again, I don't, I'm going to say it. People that aren't doing the kind of work to find themselves, men I'm talking about specifically now, um, it's such a, when I started, I was just like, as soon as I started talking about it, it was like a, 
like a uh, uh, cringe. It was uncomfortable. Yeah. I didn't like it. It was, you know, I didn't want to be seen as weak. I didn't want to be seen as, you know, uh, moany or negative. And for me, I think I struggled a lot with, again, you said, you know, toxic, but let's talk about toxic positivity because for me, that was a huge thing. Like AKA, I literally- AKA forced naivety. It's yeah. hilarious, dude. And, and this industry and social media is just rife with it. Absolutely rife with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I'll give you an example. Like I remember lots of situations within um, the, like my competing days where I was miserable. Like I hated training. I hated like my diet. I was miserable. And yet on my social media, I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah. You know, like, Portraying- hustle grind, hustle grind. <laughs> oh yeah, nonstop grind. That's and that's become a thing now with entrepreneurial. Like um, how oh, we is so overrated. I say this to all yeah. my. The whole point of what I do, with my guys, is to help double your salary in half the time that you put into it. Mm-hmm. So sorry, carry carry on. I, I'm completely agree. It's so over the hustle. Is so- yeah. Listen, the Gary V era is over. Get over it, people. He's still there and he's still making moves. But I, I found Gary V when he only had 42,000 subscribers and I bought all the bullshit, the same as everybody in the entrepreneurial sphere did. And it works, but it works for your apprentice years, your mm-hmm. first one to three years of hustle grind, all this shit. After mm-hmm. that, it's just normal. We, we should yeah. be letting go of these words where we think what we're doing is charging other people up, but we're not. We're giving them unrealistic expectations of how they need to conduct themselves. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it all stems from what you actually want to achieve out of it, you know, Mm. because like for most people, for 99% of the population, like you just don't need it. It's just unhealthy. You don't need to be working that amount for anything. Or, or 80%, my dude, 80% don't need it because they're (laughs) supposed to, they're not supposed to hustle and grind. They're supposed to just do whatever's put in front of them. What is that very unhealthy looking can you're drinking this morning? Oh, I'm, still, I'm still rocking on this, this stereotypical um, on this health, health and well-being and business fitness, podcast. Fitness influencer sort of, um, you know, back in the day, everyone used to drink monsters. I never grew out of that. Um, so, yeah, you like should, I don't. Should. We, need, I, we, need to get, we need to get some nootropics and some 5-HTP and some ashwagandha in your life. Yes. You're just feeling, you're just feeling your ADHD, bro. And you're like, <laughs> okay, ADHD, I'll give you your fuel for today. Uh, literally. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love this. I love this. So let's talk. Let's go back to how you're coaching people now um, mm-hmm. and how you're helping people to excel within their own industries within videography. Oh, that's a, that's a very broad question, dude. A very broad question. Uh, the probably the the best and most tangible way to answer that would be to um, first explain why um, I think it's important, and then explain the process that I take somebody through. Mm-hmm. I think the kind of real world example is a good way to to answer that. <clears throat> so the why is for me professionally and personally, it's a perfect meant to be natural progression of of who I am as a a person and an entrepreneur um, coaching and supporting has always been in my blood um, ever since I was a kid. But funnily enough, for the first 30 years, it was quite manipulative. It's like where I thought I had the, you know, this, this masculinity issue we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but then turning 29, 30, my whole life changed when I 
yeah, really, really let go of that knight in shining armor type bullshit and really let go of those horrible, unfair expectations I had of myself and that I was making other people pay for. Um, so moving into early 30s, mid 30s, Coming up through coming up through the industry of, of videography, photography, just say creativity, um, realizing that it was me and a select few that kind of built this entire space that all these guys are doing now. And after lockdown, coming out of lockdown with a massive chip on my shoulder, dude, being like, I am never, I'm I'm never lifting a finger more than I have to to ever make my revenue again. Like the government has shown me what it's capable of and it's stuff I've always known. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to adapt to this and realizing that that coincides perfectly with the transition that I was already in of going, I really need to teach here. I've had enough of people telling me that I need to teach either. Apparently I need to either be a business coach or a life coach. And I'm like, cool. Well, if I pick one, I guarantee I'll probably end up being both because they are intrinsic. They are intrinsically linked. Well, you'll end up being both depending on how insecure your clients are, to be fair, or how much support they need. Um, So the why is a big why for me, is that it is the next step of who I am. Um, The why in the industry is because it's desperately needed. It was was almost, it's almost been irresponsible of me and a select other bunch of people to do as much as we've done for six, seven, eight years now and do as well as we've done and not give one second consideration to turn around and look back and go, eh, maybe I should tell that kid that sleeping in his car for a 50 pound shoot isn't cool to do. Um, so yeah, I think there's a massive element of responsibility that we actually have here. Hmm. So, so if that, if, if that's the why the process is, is primarily um, fitness videography. So for me, that's my niche. Um, uh, the videography is a lot more valuable than, than the photography as it's been shown over the years because it's content-based, et cetera, et cetera. It's really in, in information-based. Um, but the entire gig is so saturated. You know, right, that with 10.2 thousand followers, you could DM 50 videographers and I guarantee you can convince 45 of them to do it for free. Yeah. Just because they're fucking idiot just because they're young and keen and and insecure and they allow themselves to be bullied they allow themselves to be pigeonholed um but also because there's been no industry standard professional education or structure of what you should be doing as a videographer mm-hmm. so the process with me is i've got three entry by um, entry levels to me and to my coaching uh, number one is the workshops. I'm very, very proud to say they're the first and only of their kind in the world in fitness videography, dude. Like there's photography workshops and there's videography workshops, but they're almost like college style. It's like come and learn how to press record. I'm like, nah, man, come and learn how to be a fucking demon fitness videography specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and the workshops are great, mate. Like hire out some of the coolest offices you've ever seen. Hire out entire CrossFit gyms just for me and the guys and gals that I bring on. Pay live models to come in and they let, uh, we spank them around the gym for three hours filming them, all these different things. Um, and the workshops are split into two halves. First half is all business acumen around the round table, 
you know, like your proper presentations and, and construct seminars that you'd expect from any, any professional educator. And then the second half of the day, the second day is all hands-on creativity, camera work, models, blah, blah, blah. So I do my workshops. Um, I'm very happy to say they were completely sold out through all of 2021. Um, but it turns out there's only so many people in the world that I can coach. <laughs> so I kind of, I think I'm, I'm not ran out of people that can come to a workshop, but I did a lot of people. So yes. 2022, I'm going to kind of downsize that a little bit and probably only put two or three of them on. Mm-hmm. Um, second is one-to-one coaching. Um, all the coaches out there, like if you know a good educator, all you need to do is take their business model and that's mine. And except my product isn't fitness, it is um, entrepreneurial coaching in the creative arena. Mm -hmm. And I had a really, really good upbringing. I was lucky enough to be the kid that all the top educators in the UK picked to do their libraries, to follow them around, to do their website, all these kind of things. So I was able to kind of, I'll just use the word steal. Um, I was able to take what they wanted and they were telling me that needs filmed and reverse engineer that into my own products and services and then go out into the arena and go, well, this is what the top dogs are doing. How about I just do your own version of it? Mm -hmm. So I think that's also a thing I've had a hand in (laughs) and selling you all down the river and being like, why is this prick quoting me 800 pound for a video library that I didn't even know I needed? And it's like, well, because six years ago, Gus took the video libraries and did them for everybody. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the one-to-one coach. And that's very much what you'd expect it to be. My absolute highest level service, me integrated into your business 24-7, um, structured PDF content that's delivered on Zooms monthly, access to me for every single thing that um, an entrepreneur should need, and then plus access to like online creative groups for free. Um, but now what I'm doing is I'm finally taking the jump that everybody's been telling me to do um, and doing my own members website. So even, yeah. e- even that is like the, the train by GP or the physique collective or the Callum Raystrick uh, business model, except you're not learning how to bodybuild, you're learning how to run a creative business. Um, ex- exact same. Dude. Uh, the only thing with me is I can't decide if I'm grumpy or smart. It's like, it's one, it's one of the two. It's probably the first one to be fair. And that I can't be arsed doing 19 different courses and all this kind of crap and moderating it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to do the cheesy or learn how to be a, a filmmaker in 14 days. It's actually nothing to do with creativity. All my one-to-one guys and, and they know the last thing they ever bring to me is creative. I'm like, dude, no, you don't get it. You all have the exact same videos. It's business acumen that none of you have. So let's level up, let's mature, and let's actually conduct ourselves in a professional manner instead of just running around being a hobbyist and trying to attach a price tag to it. Um, so the library is going to start off for, um, for the initial period, me and business only. Everything that I coach, everything that I deliver, um, real-time Q&As, real-time client inquiries, how we break them down, how we deal with them, mm. step-by-step guides on how to structure your shoots, client inquiries, client issues. Like, like literally, I'm going to be taking everything that I do with my one-to-one, creating content on it and saying, right, guys, this is an inquiry we had seven hours ago. This is very common in the business. This is how you deal with it. 
Instead of me just sitting there going, oh, well, back in my day, I did this, so you should do this. I'm like, I'm going to fucking show you how this plays out. Um, and then eventually with the library, I'll bring in other contributors, bring in creative guys, pay them for, you know, pay them for their time, for their commitment, whatever, whatever I need to do, and make sure that I'm consciously building a more all-in-one hub for creators that starts to bring in creativity, sound design, color grading, editing, stuff like this. It's not, it's not a focus. Um, I, I think that saying that you want to educate is great, but how you educate is more important. Mm-hmm. And I'm sick of seeing idiots on Instagram going, hi, di- hi guys, today I'm going to show you what's in my camera bag. And I'm like, no one, like the, the issue is, is I would love to say no one gives a fuck, but they do. And it's such a shame that they give a fuck because they're buying into some videographer that probably only charges 300 pound a video and he's getting high on his own supply and treating Instagram like it's a creative YouTube channel. And I'm like, why don't you show us your invoices instead? I've actually commented on people's stuff and I'm going, great color grading, buddy. I was really impressed to watch that for 25 minutes. Um, could you help me out? Could you send me your invoices or screenshot them? Because I want to know what your business is doing. Uh, what do you mean? And I'm like, exactly. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Stop, yeah. stop treating people to, to, to just be more naive. Mm-hmm. Like the, the worst, the worst kind of discrediting we can give to people is thinking that they don't, they have, they don't earn or they don't deserve a realistic expectational educational platform. Um, if you want to get high on your own supply, go and do it on YouTube. But if you're actually hanging around where all the creators are and you're putting out all this creative manifestation, motivational content, you're just selling them pipe dreams, man. Um, but uh, we, we could go into the fact that most creators are under 25. Uh, there's, there's all these different factors that kind of that kind of allow them to be very sellable, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so if you take 100 creators and give them a choice between the RGL uh, entrepreneurship library and the latest color grading course from somebody you can guarantee 90 of them will pick the color grading course and i'm yeah. like oh okay that's fine because you're doing yeah. what you're supposed to do for who you are i'm not I'm, I'll, I'll try my best to influence an industry to, to bring more of a professional uh, sense of what you should be doing and hopefully that'll kind of it'll sway you more towards me so I can look after you a bit better. And if I look after one of you, then you look after the next one, then he looks after the next one. And before you know it, the clients get more of an industry understanding of how much they should be paying creators and how they should be treating them. And then before you know it, the whole, the whole game elevates and everybody's a hell of a lot happier. Yeah. I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head really, you know, systems, procedures, business acumen, you know, even if you talk about, like my experience within the personal training sector it's it's terrible you know like there's zero <laughs> education on like they give you this qualification which is as good as like a piece of paper literally that just says personal trainer on um, yeah. i remember when i did my course years ago you're talking what 10 11 years ago now i did my pt course oh, oh. yeah oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> What a different industry that was back then, like, you know, but I think, I think it's just, it it needs to, it's great to see people like yourself and, you know, other people, educators in the industry helping with that sort of thing, because you you cannot run a business. You just cannot run a business without how to deal with people, leads, you know, the systems and procedures, you know, how do you build people? 
how do you keep clients yeah okay cool we can make it nice and simple and clickbait and say get them great results or deliver good content you know but what, what does that mean you know how how do you look after someone how do you take them from a to b how do you make sure that they come and think of you know people like yourself when it comes to education or any of your clients when it comes to video within the fitness sector like how do you make yourself stand out and how do you publicize that and educate and and not just yeah i get my clients great results see what one of the best things uh, i really appreciate what you're saying me thank you I, I feel i feel very healthily validated <laughs> and that, that's a nice feel i'm human just like anyone if, uh, i love getting validated and um, i there, there's always that little insecure part of me that's like am i on the right path am i doing blah 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 and um, so a professional like yourself who does exactly what i do except in a different arena um, to hear that is, is, I really appreciate that, dude. Um, and I think one of the, to add to that, one of the best ways or one of the best things that I've ever said to, like, I, I, I catch myself sometimes and I'm like, oh, that was a really good quoting representation of what you stand for and how well you take these guys at, at their business. And one of the best ones was the amount of guys that have come to me and they're like, I want to find out how to get new clients. And I'm like, I've got no idea how to get you a new client. <laughs> Sorry, bro. I have got no idea. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I'm not a marketing expert. I've got no idea about click funnels and pixel tracking and all this bullshit. And they're like, right, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, before I answer that, let me ask you this. Why would I find you 100 new clients when you don't know what you're doing with the ones you already have? And they're like, oh. <laughs> so, so what I've been able to do is come into creators' businesses and help them kind of, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll talk figures because figures are tangible. That's is what we all know. Um, and take a creator that's maybe doing, I don't know, 15K, something like that, 20K a year, maybe, and help them almost double their income straight away from on a monthly basis, just by revisiting what they're already doing in business and showing them how undervalued they are with the clients that they already have. Um, and it's beautiful because I get my guys to send out their price change emails. And remember, Dan, Dan, we don't use the word increase. We use the word change yes. and they'll, they'll email out there, they'll email out their, their clients. And like, this is part of me throwing them under the bus. This is part of me throwing them into the trenches and going, you're not going to like the conversations you have after you send this email, but this is part of your education, my dude. And you'll thank me one year away going, I'm so glad I learned how to speak to people in my first month of coaching and didn't learn how to get new clients until my sixth month of coaching. Mm -hmm. um, and there was, there was one beautiful, one beautiful client that I've got a guy called Liam Rigby um, who's on Instagram as monkey tennis one of the coolest names I've ever heard. It's amazing, mate, honestly. I yeah. applaud him on it regularly. Um, and he had some of the most beautiful reactions come back. He probably sent out about 15 emails or DMs to his clients and saying, hey there, just to let you know, there's going to be a slight price change in my business. I've got new tech coming in, new coaching and bringing a lot more to the table. So I want to ensure that my revenue matches that. Um, my prices will be changing from £250 a shoot to 400 whatever it happened to be. And out of 15 clients, every single one of them replied going, yeah, cool, no problem, which already tells you that you're dealing with relative professionals and it's you that's the kid. 
mm-hmm. and you're worried about them shooting you down when actually what they're knowing is that you're a kid and they're taking advantage of you and they're just waiting for the day that you put your prices up. Mm-hmm. Um, but one specifically emailed them back, didn't even say yes or no. The only word that the email had was, I'm glad to see that business coach is paying off for you. I'll see you on Tuesday. That was mm-hmm. it. And I was like, dude, you have arrived. Not me, this this client, you have arrived. Yeah. Um, and yeah, these these conversations are never, never as bad as as they think they're going to be. There was something I was going to say there that was really good, but I can't remember what it was because I was thinking about the next three things that I was going to deliver. Maybe it'll come to me. <laughs> Do you know Maybe how, uh, going, back, going back to my own journey, I am um, with therapy. That was one thing that I've worked on so much over the last two years. Like Calm. having actually listen listen because oh. my brain is constantly like oh i've got an idea or i've got he, something here's what here's what i'm gonna say next yeah and yeah, like yeah, i get that i'd constantly and, and then i'd suddenly catch myself and be like oh, i have no idea what that person just said like i'm really sorry even though i was so invested and interested <laughs> in the conversation <laughs> i was too focused because i know that if i if i don't attach to that thought the next one's in and all of a sudden I've forgotten what that thought is because now the next one's in the conversations moved and I've forgotten. <laughs> and now I'm not listening to you and I just get caught all the time. So, where, where do you live, dude? Where do you live? Uh, near Birmingham. Near Birmingham. Dude, you are oh, shit. It's tonight. Um, you are going to come to my men's circle. Yeah. I don't know. Have you got me on personal Instagram or just professional? professional i believe so if you just type in rgl to instagram both the mine pop up first mm-hmm. um my men's circle that i go to is every two weeks in little eaton mm-hmm. which is oh, little eaton's obviously between kind of birmingham and derby like mostly yeah. on the derby side so from you i guarantee it would take you an hour if not a little bit less to get there um i've already brought a couple of my creators there's some of my guys that come from north birmingham that i've got um, yeah. I brought I brought guys down from Glasgow. I've got guys that come in from Gla- uh, from Manchester. I obviously go down there from Leeds. Um, but the men's circle is one of my one of my very good friends, Daniel Tyndall, who also used to be my holistic and kind of spiritual coach. He puts the men's circle on every two weeks, where he caps the numbers. At, I think it's like seven or eight, but it's built on his land, which is in a kind of forest in a quarry. And yeah. you'll see you'll see the videos and the posts on my personal Instagram, and it is simply a, a space that men offer other men to come and exist, to talk, to share, to be present, to hold space for other men. You don't have to share. You don't have to do anything whatsoever. Um, but it's it's one of the most impactful things that a man could ever do in their life, and it is the simple therapy of checking in with other men. Yeah. In, a, in a space that has nothing to do with business, has nothing to do with the gym. Um, the structure of the circle is Daniel welcomes everybody in, blesses the circle, talks about kind of energies and archetypes and who is existing with us while we're here, um, moves into a meditation. Then after that, opens the circle for anyone that wants to share. Um, I admittedly, I rarely share, but it's just because of the way that I am. It's not that I can't share. It's that that's not why I'm there. I'm there to be. Um, and I do need to get over my own servitude. I do need to get over my own uh, belief that I exist in a sense of servitude for other people. Um, but 
whoever shares, it could be anything from business, finance, health, sexual health, relationships, fatherhood, whatever is going on with someone's life. And it's not even half the time. It's not even bad. I usually share the great things that are going on and then use it as a little bit of a kind of case study to, to say to other men, yo, this is, this is what I've found and how this works. Um, and then if anybody wants advice, they can ask for it. They're not given it unless they specifically ask for it. And then Daniel will move into kind of teachings on maybe Buddhism, some different kind of things that he wants to bring to the circle. Nothing that is too, um left or right just very much awareness of of um new spiritualities or thoughts and religions this kind of thing and then finishes off with a meditation as well but it's it's we're usually there it starts at 7 p.m and we usually don't get away till about 10 half 10 and for me i kid you not dude i kid you not it is the only time in my life and I mean this, it's the only time in my entire life that I have ever forgot that I own a mobile phone. Yeah. Dude, I leave the circle and I'm like, oh, and then I feel this square thing in my pocket and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, oh shit, it's an iPhone 13 Pro. Cool, I better check that. And sure enough, you've got 13 WhatsApps, 14 Instagrams, five emails. And you're like, okay, back to reality. That's fine. But you leave with a piece of everybody that was at the circle with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so mate, I think there, there, there is actually, there might be one or two seats available for tonight. If you fancy coming along, I think yeah. the tickets for it are like tickets are like 15 quid. Um, mm-hmm. anybody that's listening that is near Derby, the, as a man, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, well, I know I'm not sorry. Cause we, we do need these things as well. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's exceptional to be there. The only people that don't come religiously are the ones that are so busy with like crypto or business empires that they just can't make it. But I find that it's the same people, every circle plus an extra one or two newcomers. Mm -hmm. And then they become the same people, every circle. And so, yeah, you can check it out on my personal Instagram and it's there for, there for anybody as well. Yeah. I mean, that sounds, it sounds right up my street. Like I love that sort of stuff. I've got a lot more into spirituality. I, I think over the last you know, year, year and a half, especially since like my own therapy journey and uh, meditation as well. That's one of the only times, honestly, like I've, I've always been fascinated by it, but meditation is one of the only times that my brain, like my brain relaxes so much when I meditate that I get, you know, like um, you've had a head massage and like you get that sort of like tingle sort of like yep. relaxation sort of sensation. Yep. And my, my brain is just genuinely empty and it's just <laughs> the best feeling it only happens twice uh, or two times that I can think of when I'm meditating or if I've done yoga, that's the only time that my brain turns off. The other, the other things I'd, I'd give to you to, to add to what you're doing is when you're meditating, you can take it a bunch of different ways. I meditate on what's called a Shakti mat. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Shakti mat, I've got the full body one and it's basically got like thousands of little spikes on it and you lie on top of it when you're meditating and the whole acupressure theory behind it, as you know, knowing, knowing biology is when you're putting this pressure onto your skin, it releases a lot more blood and it releases inflammation and it mm-hmm. sends blood to the area, which is why, you know, when you rub yourself, you go red because there's a lot more blood there or when you or when you poke yourself with something sharp like acupuncture you'll go red um so when you meditate on a shakti mat you need to do it naked to get the full effect 
and then just load yourself up with blankets if you're lying down, you are welded to the ground. <laughs> like the grounding that happens when you do this during meditation, you yeah. will love it. If that if that's how your brain feels when you meditate, you can feel the energy go through your fingers and into the earth, dude. Um, mm. So, so strange. And then the other thing is try adding in to further the meditative state try adding in sound healing or frequency to your bedtime. So when you sleep, um, I, I've always got for years now, I've got sound healing or megahertz frequency music on my phone next to my bed and I fall asleep to that. Um, and then the last thing, dude, apart from something like the men's circle, have you ever tried flotation therapy? I haven't. I've heard of it, but I haven't. It'll change your fucking life. I had before lockdown, I had an amazing business plan for uh, building the UK's number one brand in flotation therapy. Guarantee okay. I could have, guarantee I, I could have done it. Um, but after lockdown, I was like, do I really want to go into brick and mortar? Do I, yeah. do I really want to start again that badly? And I went, no, let's just continue with the creativity and your investments and crypto and stuff like that. And actually be smart. Um, but flotation therapy is, I, I had, can I tell you about one, the one breakthrough I had with flotation therapy and that'll, yeah, sure. that'll give you, yeah. and, and this is for, this is something that I think it's great for personal trainers to offer to their clients as well. And um, because not only has it got a host of physical benefits, but you know, one of the biggest barriers between you and getting somebody in shape is their fucking brain. Yeah. Not their body, not their, you know, it's their brain. That is the biggest issue. So with flotation therapy, it's a, it's a tank that's about the size of a mini Cooper. And it's filled with body temperature water that is loaded with Epsom salts. So it's like the Dead Sea, like it's impossible to sink. You can only float because of how thick and viscous the water becomes. Mm -hmm. um, the, the water's heated to the body's temperature. So when you're lying there, your brain can't tell where the water starts and your skin does. So you're in like a, so you're in like a suspended animation when okay. you eventually get into a really relaxed state, you know, you can, you're, you're human, you know, you're in a fucking <laughs> a bucket of water. Uh, but when you get into the meditative state, it all starts to just start to come together as one big ball of energy within the tank. And um, the tank is, it's not sealed. You can have it open if you want, but the room is soundproof and lightproof and the tank is soundproof and lightproof. And you've also got earplugs in. So flotation therapy is the only time in your entire existence on the planet that you will escape every single sense and force that is on your body. So smell, touch, sight, sound, and gravity, mm -hmm. because you have no gravity. You're buoyant. So it's like you're lying there floating through space. The first few times that I did flotation therapy, I, when I came out, I felt like I had the shit kicked out of me. But it's because it's the only time, like physio, when you get physio, your body fights against the physio. Mm -hmm. When in reality, what I found is the biggest breakthroughs, and it's quite poetic that it's physical we're talking about because it's emotional as well. The biggest breakthroughs you have are when you let go, mm -hmm. not when you hold on. So the no gravity allows your body to reset back to what it's supposed to be at. So all these kinks in your shoulders, your spine separates because there's no longer any vertical gravity on your spine. That's another reason why everybody should do decline decompressions at least once or twice a week for spine health. Um, so anyway, this the one session I had that really changed my life with flotation therapy was my third session. 
And I used to go in there and repeat words into my head. Like I was trying to achieve things in life. I was trying to achieve more peace and acceptance. So I used to repeat these words in my head. And sure enough, it worked. I came out of one flotation therapy session, um, finished with my girlfriend, stopped speaking to a few friends straight away that day. And I was like, holy shit. I was accepting that they were pricks. <laughs> and instead of trying, instead of trying to change them, I was yeah. like, okay, I can accept that I need to let you go because this isn't healthy. So that was my third session that I had. And by this time I was getting accustomed to the, to the, to the one hour, to the one hour sessions. After the first five minutes, I was gone. I was like in another universe and started to have a kind of out of body experience where I could feel my awareness coming out of the top of my head like my entire body was duplicated but yeah. i didn't go off into the stratosphere i moved only about four or five inches away from me so it's almost as if i was at the top of my head looking down over my forehead at yeah. me floating around in the tank so this went on for for i don't know probably 10 15 minutes and then i started to asphyxiate and I don't know if my tongue was rolling into the back of my mouth because I was so relaxed or if my heart rate had slowed down so much that my breathing couldn't match it. So yeah. I felt like I was suffocating and it felt like every time my heart was beating that a big, big ball of just warm, whatever it is, was beating into my heart. And it was shooting all the way through my body. Every time I had a heartbeat, it was like an elephant's foot hitting the ground, like 40 feet away. Just mm -hmm. this big boom, boom, every time my heart was beating. And then add that on to the fact that I think I'm now suffocating. So the first thing that went into my brain was anxiety. The first thought I had was I'm about to die. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing that came into my mind straight away was I'm okay with that. And then as soon as I accepted that I might die, I started breathing normally. I started coming back to my kind of senses a little bit. And then I was like, oh, that was interesting. And then yeah. just relaxed for the rest of the session. So by, by no means is this some spiritual bullshit, but it's like, oh yeah, I'll happily die. I'm a human. I'm normal human. I'm like, don't stand on my trainers. They're brand new. I want a Range Rover and I don't want to die. I am a normal human being. But in that split second of my life, I was only faced with one thing. I'm about to die. That's all that was in my head because I couldn't breathe. I was choking or I was asphyxiating. I don't know what was happening. But for where I was emotionally in the tank, the only thought that I had after that was, I'm okay with that. And I said that in my own head. First thing I said was, I'm about to die. Second thing I said was, I'm okay with that. And mate, life was never the same after that one therapy session. That's so, mad. I'm definitely going to check that out because that sounds awesome. <laughs> so you're coming to so you're coming to the circle and yeah, the meditation yeah. therapy. Yeah, been a good no. podcast, bro. Been a bit good podcast. <laughs> Honestly, mate, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I've loved it. I've loved this catch up. I think it's been a long time coming. Overdue, um, man. Yeah, and uh, I'll, if you're happy to come back on, I'd love to chat more things: spirituality, crypto, anything. You know, I think there's a lot that. Like I said, I just want this podcast now to be about conversations, things that people aren't necessarily aware about or, you know, things that aren't being spoken about as much or things that are, but we're just talking about it in a different way. Um, and yeah, I think I think I've loved today. I mean, I hope you have and I hope the people listening. Absolutely. Have, did. Absolutely. It, 
I mean, I, I, when we were planning this episode, I know we were talking about what we wanted to talk about and stuff. And, and this is exactly how I wanted the episode to be. Good. This is how I wanted every, every episode of the podcast to be, because I don't want it to be formal Q and a, like, you know, what do you do? Who are you? You know, what are your goals? What blah, blah. Yeah, that's good. But it's, it's mundane you know, with the greatest respect to people, it's the same format every single time. But I want to, I want to pick at the brains of my guests. You know, I want to get them talking about things that they might not necessarily talk about, you know, within a normal sort of Q&A form thing. And I think that we've, we've really done that today. I mean, if we look at the, the, the topics we've spoken about today, it's just, it's, it's gone off on tangents, which I love because <laughs> that's, that's me. You know, that's me. Like I, I Cap, like Captain start, Tangent. Yeah, I start talking, start going off in something, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "How, how have we got here?" Um, and I think that it makes makes it much more interesting for people. So I appreciate your time, dude. I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, um, I'll have a look at that for the uh, men's circle group. Do you want to drop any information so that people can find it if they are yeah, interested? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can find the men's circle details. And again, this isn't this isn't my circle. Um, this is uh, a friend of mine. It's just I, I I truly believe in getting these kind of words out to as many people as possible. Um, the men's circle is held in Little Eaton every second Wednesday evening at seven pm. And to find more details on it, you can check out Make Ready Mindset on Instagram or Make Ready Daniel. That's the name of his company. Um, which is funny because he's never been in the military and he's quite a, a spiritual soul. So make ready is a little bit like, yeah, fucking make ready, man. I'm going to make you ready for this. Um, but it fits, it fits. So yeah, make ready mindset, make ready Daniel. Um, my personal Instagram, just type in RGL. Like I've got loads of details on it there. Everything's linked, blah, blah, blah. Um, as for flotation therapy, a thousand percent. I think people should get that in. It's like I was saying to you before the podcast, I'm always, not in an insecure sense, but in a um, realistic sense, I'm conscious of my value. I'm like, what is my purpose here? What am I here to do? Because people tune in, people watch and consume because overly the 80 percentile, there's a need to, to get there's something that I need to get from what I'm consuming. Um, so even for me, it takes a little time for me to let go of that expectation of myself and remind myself, Gus, the best things that you listen to and are involved in are things that you don't go to get from you go to be and exist with them so remember Gus maybe somebody doesn't want to get something from you in a podcast maybe they just want to hold the space open up subjects and if somebody is emotionally receptive they will receive they will actually gain that kind of energy transaction from the podcast so yeah before we started I was like shit how do I how do I talk about what your listeners are going to be interested in? And obviously yeah. you're saying that this is absolutely perfect. Um, but the last thing I would probably say on it is emotional development is something that really needs to, to be viewed as intrinsically linked to professional development. Um, your trench work, your trench work at the start of businesses and dieting and training, bodybuilding, whatever it happens to be, is always the, it's the most naive part of your journey but it is the most foundational roll your sleeves up and get stuck in um i think that when the apprenticeship stage for us is over you know imagine you you want to train for 10 years 
your first two to three years are your apprenticeship stage and you'll be so motivated, all this kind of stuff. But then eventually we need to come in with an, uh, an element of acceptance and a lot more peace around what we're doing. And I think that peace um, is a level of awareness that helps us unlock the next stage. So how I relate personal development to business is that I can take people even further because I'm now more capable of being with them in their businesses instead of just talking to them about their businesses. So I'm hoping that everything that we've talked today, you know, people are, people are conscious enough to say, do you know what? That was really fucking interesting. I can take a lot of that for myself as a person and my business is impacted by who I am as a person. So I'm getting professional development just from people talking about emotional development. So yeah, dude, absolute pleasure, man. Here for the next one, 100%. Yeah, sure. And, and that resonates with me. You know, I think that uh, it's something that I'm so passionate about, you know, men's emotional development, personal development, professional development. Like it's something that I've worked on so hard myself. And I think that, you know, people like yourselves that are, are really touting for it and pushing it and helping people through that. That's awesome. I mean, that's something that I'm going to look at doing in the next few years, I think, um, going into the, the coaching, coaching sort of sector. Um, because I think, you know, there's so much that I needed help with back in the day. You know, when, when I first started online coaching, it was emails, <laughs> like spreadsheets. It was terrible. And then eventually like, like WhatsApp became a thing and just the development of that as well. So systems and procedures and, I think we should definitely touch base again in the future. Talk about either crypto, more systems, yeah, go a bit more niche. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Dude, thank you. My, my, last, my last quote to end is, remember, if you take an idiot and motivate them, now you've got a motivated idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the episode title. That is, dude, that is. Right, man, thank you. No, my pleasure. Thank you for coming on.